Regular listener, why not check out our YouTube channel for more Arsenal and general football content? Over there, you can sign up to a Chronicles of Aguna membership, gain access to our exclusive members-only content, as well as our private Discord server. But above all, you'll be supporting me to bring you more content and continue what's been an amazing journey covering the Arsenal so far. Enjoy the show. It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening, and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be looking back at the win in Bireas. Arsenal running out 3-1 winners in the end. Uh, got off to a really good start in the game after another individual error. It seemed as though uh, we had pressed the self-destruct button again, and although it's not ideal that we conceded a goal this evening, Goals from Gabriel and Mohamed Elneny ensured that Arsenal take a very, very strong lead back to the, the Emirates Stadium for the second leg. Um, big hello to everybody in the live chat. Big hello to everybody uh, listening or watching this back on the replay. Hope you're all good. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who joined me for the live watch along because um, it was emotional. Um, good fun, as always, but it was emotional. Um, we've got plenty to discuss off the back of that game, you know, as there always seems to be when it comes to Arsenal. A lot of it will sound a little bit repetitive, you know, around the individual mistakes that just keep plaguing our game at the moment. We just can't seem to cut them out. And um, we'll, we'll start off with the initial team selection from Mikel Arteta. And he went with Leno in goal. Bellerin, as I thought, uh, came back into the side. Tierney at left back. Gabriel, interestingly, come into the side at centre-half alongside David Luiz. I think a lot of people probably would have played Pablo Marie. Uh, but of course, Gabriel, as I said uh, during the watch-along, probably is a little bit stronger physically. Um, probably was seen as somebody who could maybe cope with the physicality of the Olympiago striker, Yusuf El Arabi, a little bit better. And overall, I do think that a fit Gabriel is, is Mikel Arteta's first choice. Um, and he's clearly been watching him of late in training and stuff and, and come to the conclusion that he is re he was ready again to return to the side. And I thought he was a lot better tonight than he was in his last performance, which was against Benfica. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was OK with Gabriel's performance. I thought he did pretty well. Um, David Luiz, for the most part, did pretty well. But of course, um, you know, gave the ball away in the first half in a really, really dangerous area. Gave the ball away essentially on the edge of his six-yard box and allowed, um, I think it was Masuras at the time, to, to just cut inside and get a shot away. And a better player, a better team punishes you for that. And that was the first kind or one of the first signs that we had an error in us. And, you know, there was one from Martin Erdegaard as well in the in the early stages where he played a ball across the pitch blindly uh, in our defensive third and we lost the ball. And I think it was Bruma that time who got a shot away 
uh, from the edge of the penalty area. But fortunately, it was a, a poor effort and Bern Leno was equal to it. Uh, I thought Hector Bellerin had a good game tonight. I know a lot of eyebrows were raised when he was named in the team. Plenty of people would have preferred to see Cedric start, but um, I actually thought that that Hector Bellerin had a good game tonight. Kieran Tierney, solid as always. In the midfield, uh, Granit Xhaka had a really good game. Great to see him bounce back uh, following that error that he made at Burnley uh, because he's taken a lot of criticism for that, that stat that everybody seems to like to band around about the fact that he's had X amount of mistakes that have led to goals, etc., cetera, uh, was doing the round. So I'm delighted that he kind of moved on from that and moved on from it pretty swiftly with a really good performance tonight. Thomas Partey alongside him, though, just simply wasn't very good. Um, you know, and, and I said this about Thomas Partey after the first half an hour against Burnley. I didn't think he looked right. I didn't think he looked good. I didn't think he looked solid. I didn't think he looked his usual dominating self. And I thought that was the case again tonight uh, with Thomas Partey. And Mikel Arteta took him off after 55, 56 minutes tonight. And um, Mikel Arteta has since spoken about it. Uh, He was asked if it was a precautionary thing, if there was an injury, if there's a problem. And he said it was tactical. So he clearly wasn't happy with uh, Thomas Partey's performance tonight. And I can't argue with Mikel on that. I think it was the right call. It's a bold call. You know, when you go and spend... £45 million pound on a player, you, you you look to build your midfield around him. It's a bold call to do that, um, especially at that stage in the game. But I rate Mikel Arteta for doing that. And, um, you know, you could see Thomas Partey was was disappointed when he walked off of the pitch, but he just, he just doesn't look like he's up with the pace at the moment. And, you know, people will sit and they'll, you know, they'll moan about Granit Xhaka when he doesn't play well, and they'll moan about Danny Sabas when he doesn't play well. But, you know, forget that Thomas Partey cost £45 million tonight. And I'm not saying that he's not a good player overall, but he's currently out of form. I mean, Camera in the Olympiagos midfield tonight looked just as dominating, if not more dominating, more mobile, more efficient than Thomas Partey. And I'm sure he doesn't even cost £5 million, let alone 45 So, you know, this is not me digging out Thomas Partey, the player, um, in terms of what he's done in the past and, and his ability. But I don't think that Thomas Partey right now is playing anywhere near his maximum. And um, I thought he let us down a little bit tonight. And, and Mikel was was absolutely spot on, in my opinion, uh, to hook him off at the time he did. Um, Bakayo Saka did okay tonight, um, got into some good positions. Not not quite there in terms of his, his top, top performances. I thought Martin Odegaard, though, was, was very good, uh, very busy. Uh, very involved in everything that Arsenal did in an attacking sense. Scored a good goal. Um, obviously, I talked about that pass earlier on that he played across the box. And and he did give the ball away a few times tonight, Martin Odegaard. But the reality is when you play in that number 10 position and your job essentially is to find the killer pass, is to play the pass, um, you know, that, that opens the opposition defence up, then there will be times where you get it wrong and where you lose the ball. And sometimes those statistics are a little bit misleading. If you think, cast your mind back to when Alexis Sanchez uh, was in the Arsenal side and there were people who constantly berated Alexis Sanchez, um, particularly towards the end when we knew he wanted to leave. Uh, You know, there were a lot of Arsenal fans that used to say, well, um, you know, Alexis Sanchez gives the ball away too much. Yeah, but actually when you're trying to make things happen in that final third, that is going to happen. Uh, you are going to give the ball away more because the passes you're playing have a far greater risk attached to them than uh, your passes would would have if you were sitting in the deep 
midfield pivot and you're just playing five, six yard passes left and right. So I thought overall his, uh, his performance was, um, was pretty good. Um, so pleased with him. Aubameyang did okay as well. I thought, um, starved of a bit of service, but I thought Olympiagos did a really good job on him. And, and he's a player that obviously Sogradis knows extremely well. And I think they worked uh, very hard on, on nullifying him and, and they did it to good effect, but that's the point, right? We shouldn't be relying on one player. Um, to uh, to get us out of a hole all the time and you need to spread it around. And when that player gets marked out of the game, you need the others to step up. And a couple of others around him tonight really, really did. And uh, that's why ultimately uh, Arsenal got the result that they got. I guess the elephant in the room is is the goal that we conceded and the way it came about. And Danny Sabayos had just come on as a substitute at the time. During the live watch along, initially, um, I had a go at Danny Sabayos and... Um, you know, I, I actually said when he came on during the watch along, I said these very words. I said, you know what? Danny Sabas might be OK coping with the press because he's a little bit more mobile. He's a little bit more energetic on the ball. He, he, he turns quicker. He, you know, he's a little bit more. He's got a little bit more guile about him. But unfortunately, he was given a pass that was was just terrible. And I talked about Bern Leno's role in the goal against Burnley at the weekend. And I spoke about the fact that as much as Granit Xhaka made a mistake, Bern Leno's got to clear that. And and does Bern Leno not learn, you know, from what happened on Sunday, uh, on Saturday to Thursday? Has he not learned something from that? And the reason you can't completely dismiss Leno's responsibility here and you can't just blame it on Danny Sabas is because Danny Sabas is dropping into that hole. But Danny Sabas doesn't have eyes in the back of his head, in the side of his head. He can't see what's going on all around him. But Bern Leno can because Bern Leno is facing the play. And for me, it is unforgivable that for a second time in as many days, Bern Leno has looked up. And in this situation, it was even worse because there were four players around Danny Sabayos and he's played that pass. And ultimately, after playing that pass, he's caught completely out of position. Yusuf El Arabi, to his credit, does well to press Sabayos, wins the ball back. But plays a, you know, it's a, it's not even a great finish from, from Yusuf El Arabi. It's not in the corner. It's because Bern Leno's caught out of position that he can't get, get across and save it. So really frustrating to see that happen again. And I think actually Mikel Arteta's post-match interview tells you all you need to know about his thoughts on that and his thoughts on that situation. Mikel Arteta said that we need to know when to play those passes and, and, almost hinted and suggested that the, the fault laid with the goalkeeper for playing that pass. I think that um, Martin Keown in the studio tonight and BT Sport also agreed with that. And I agree with that. Um, initially, I looked at Sabahis and I went, great, it's another midfielder dallying on the ball a little bit too long, getting caught in possession. And there we go. But when you watch it back, you can just see that there are four players gathered around uh, Danny Sabahis, closing in on him. And, you know, as the goalkeeper, you have the luxury of of seeing the game unfold in front of you. And for me, that's why the fault uh, lies with Bern Leno. That and the fact that it's the second time it's happened in as many days. Look, Arsenal made other mistakes tonight and almost gave away chances, uh, almost gave away goals. They gave away chances, but fortunately they didn't result in goals. But, you know, it, it looks like right now we're not being beaten by people. We're beating ourselves. And on the one hand, I've said this before, I look at it and I go, well, the positive side of that 
is that it's something that we can fix. It's something that's in our control, right? You can't fix things that are not in your control. This is in our control. But on the other side, you know, you, you just, you just get, you just find yourself so frustrated by it. I talked about it earlier today um, in the build up to the game that I, I didn't want to be facing another situation where I was looking at the game afterwards and saying that Mikel Arteta had been let down by lapses in concentration, um, poor decision-making. Because, you know, people talked about Granit Xhaka at the weekend. Then he got absolute pelters for what happened at Burnley. And people were calling for him not to be in the side. And then Danny Sabayos comes in the side and he gets caught in possession in a similar situation. And Thomas Partey plays and he's absolute shit. And Mohamed Elneny, who nobody wants to see in the team comes on and scores an absolute worldie. So it it just goes to show that they're also inconsistent and you can't rely on any of them. And this is why Arsenal are where they are because consistency has been an issue. And that's why we stand a chance of winning the cup competition because in a cup competition, you know, if you can gear yourself up for that one game, every two weeks, one game, every three weeks, great. Um, But in a league, you need to be consistent. And Arsenal, in terms of the players that we currently have at our disposal, just aren't consistent enough. People will talk about changing them and don't pick them and, you know, pick somebody else. Well, the reality is Mikel can't click his fingers and get himself a completely new squad. So those inconsistencies, while we have error-prone players in and around the group, they're always going to be there. And, And the process of replacing those players, especially at a time like this where finances are tight, is going to be a long an arduous one. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, but look, it, it's a, it's a really positive result. Um, if you'd have told me before the game that we would have taken a three, one away win, I'd have bitten your arm off three away goals. Um, got the away leg out of the way. I know there's no fans, etc. Um, and, um, you know, that obviously is a bit of a leveler when you're going away from home, but we have to deal with the same thing, uh, in the second leg. So, you know, let's, um, you know, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, if we could play every round and every game in the Yorgos uh, Karaiskagi Stadium because it feels like a bit of a happy hunting ground for us at the moment. But yeah, but overall, it's a really, really positive night and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I touched on Mohamed Elneny's goal. Absolute screamer. And um, the Egyptian Pirlo, I called him during the watch-along. Um, and I put a tweet out, almost like tongue-in-cheek, sort of after the game ended. And I said, well, I'm still waiting for our £45 million midfielder to score a goal. Uh, like the Egyptian PLO did. What a goal it was. Um, Really good strike. And what I love about it, I know Jose Sarr gets an arm uh, on it, but what I love is when you hit a shot and it sort of curves away from the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper's diving, but the ball is all the time spinning away. It just is so great on the eye, especially when you see that angle from behind it. And uh, Jose Sarr got an, uh, an arm to it, but he couldn't keep it out. Some of you asking in the chat if uh, the Portuguese goalkeeper should have done better for Martin Odegaard's um, Martin Odegaard's goal, and I think he probably should have. Um, you look at it again, and you can see when you you watch that angle from behind the ball that the ball was hit with lots of velocity, lots of spin, and there was a lot of movement between that ball leaving Martin Odegaard's foot and hitting the back of the net. And I think it's this thing that continental goalkeepers in particular have where it is they look at a shot like that and they don't want to try and catch it. They don't want to risk catching it. And I think a more traditional 
uh, goalkeeper, i.e., let's say a David Seaman, for example, probably puts both arms up like that to try and deal with it. But nowadays you see goalkeepers kind of uh, swish at a ball, almost punch the ball. And you can see Saar does that, doesn't he? And he just catches, um, you know, he makes contact with it, but it ends up in the back of the net. Um, loved Gabriel's goal as well. Um, sensational header, really powerful header. And it's one of those headers where, you know, it needed to be spot on to catch the goalkeeper out. Um, good delivery into the box from Willian. I was cursing when that corner was taken short initially because I thought, what are you doing? But he just slightly t- changed the angle and put a delivery in towards the far post. And there was Gabriel to head home and, and put Arsenal back in front. Christos in the chat says, Harry, which goal was the best for you? For me, the goal I enjoyed the most was the Gabriel one. Um, I just loved, I love seeing centre-halves come forward and, and win really, really powerful headers like that. Accurate, powerful, desire to get on the end of it. Um, great to see for me. I know Elneny's strike was special. Odegaard's strike was a, was a lethal one too, but I, I really enjoyed the Gabriel goal for me. And because I thought that we weren't going to win the game after we made that mistake. So to go back in front um, was sensational. Elneny's goal was the cherry on the cake, but to get back in front at that point was was really important. Um, also, I had a triple bet on tonight. I had an accumulator. I had Arsenal, Roma and Spurs all to win um, at five to one. And uh, so when Gabriel scored, uh, that also contributed to my delight because Roma were 3-0 up at the time. Spurs were were 2-0 up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty good night overall. But, yeah, of the three goals, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, my favourite. Um, what else are we going to talk about? In terms of uh, of the game itself, I talked about Thomas Partey uh, and the decision to take him off. I thought it was the right decision. Um, I can see some of you are, are asking me a little bit about that in the, the comments. So just kind of want to address that. But um, any questions that you have, drop them in the chat now. Um, I may have missed some if you've already put them in the chat. So feel free to drop them in again because the chat has been consistently updating while I've been talking. Uh, So get your comments, get your thoughts, get your questions in the live chat and I'll come to as many of those as I possibly can um, for the remainder of the stream. Just a quick reminder as well, if you haven't smashed that like button already, it is so, so important for the channel. Um, So uh, make sure you've done that if you haven't done so already. In fact, let me check in where we're at on likes uh, because... Let's see where we are. There's over 230 of you watching us right now. And we've only got 44 likes. So if you haven't hit the like button already, guys, uh, please do so. Uh, It really, really does help. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member of the channel, all you have to do is click on the link in the description and you can sign up to become a Chronicles of Aguna member. We'd absolutely love to have you and you get access to our Discord server as well as a number of other benefits. Right, let's go through the chat. Let's get some of your questions. Um, uh, this is a really good comment before I dive into the questions from A79. He says, just love how all the players were smiling ear to ear when Elneny scored. He's a special character. Yeah, Elneny's one of those players, right, that you can tell he's got the respect of his fellow professionals because his application is brilliant. Ability-wise, there are questions, obviously, right? We know he's not the greatest footballer in the world. Many will question whether he's good enough to be at Arsenal Football Club, including myself. But the, the thing with Mohamed Elneny is he, he knows his, his level, I think, and he knows that he is fortunate to be in a position where he's at a football club like Arsenal, albeit as a squad player. And I think that 
when you've got someone in the group like that who, despite having limitations, um, constantly gives his all, constantly makes an effort, I think you you as a fellow professional probably really appreciate that and have a lot of respect for them. And I've been in football teams in the past um, where we had players like that who you knew weren't starters, but you knew they were a really important part of the dressing room and the setup. And when they did score, you know, you were delighted for them. And um, that's how it is with Mohamed Elneny. So um, he is a special character and, and and you're absolutely right. Everybody loved it, didn't they? Um Sam, one of our members, says, Harry, would this result with the advantage we have change any of your starting 11s for the next two games? I think there will be rotation um, in the next couple of games. I think there was always going to be, regardless of of what happened tonight. I think some of the changes that Mikel made um, sort of towards the end of the game tonight suggested that, uh, you know, he had one eye on what was on what's happening on Sunday, which is of course the North London derby, and we'll be previewing that properly tomorrow. Uh, so I look forward to bringing you that. But um, I mean, I, I think that you've just got to go all out for those games, right? I think you've got to go all out for the North London derby and all out for the second leg against Olympiagos, and then after that, you can assess where we are um, and and decide what you're going to do accordingly. But I just think that right now there will be some rotation, but there are certain players in that in that team for me that are nailed down players, um, at least in Mikel Arteta's eyes anyway. You know, Bern Leno, um, Granit Xhaka, uh, Thomas Partey normally. I know he was poor tonight, but Thomas Partey is one of them. Saka's one of them. Aubameyang's one of them. And then everybody else can be rotated. And, and Mikel Arteta has shown he's willing to rotate those. So I think you'll probably see a few tweaks to the team just to freshen it up a little bit. You know, Nicolas Pepe didn't play very long tonight. Uh, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe could come in at the weekend. Um, Pablo Marie could come back in the side, for example. Cedric could come back in the side and nobody would bat an eyelid. So I, I think there will be changes. But as I say, I think those changes were always on the cards um, because of the schedule, because of the traveling, all of that stuff. Uh, so I don't think that it will have too much of an impact on the starting eleven because I think, in answer to your question, I know I've gone around the houses a bit, but I think the changes would have been in Mikel Arteta's mind prior, regardless. Uh, Rancid Pumpkin says, Marie or holding on Sunday? No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll change the if he'll change the um, the two central defenders on Sunday. Me, I wouldn't. I change one of them. Um, and maybe I'd, I'd, I'd take David Luiz out. I know he's, he's been a leader lately, but David Luiz has played a lot more football than Gabriel lately. Uh, so maybe I'd start one of them um, as a result of that. I don't know, but I, I hate messing around with defences. I feel like defences is, is, is the area in which you need the most stability. Um, so no, um, I wouldn't make a double change at centre-back, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel does it. As I say, uh, I think there will be changes. I don't know what those changes will be. I do believe that there are certain players that he wants to have in the team every single week, but around them, he, he seems to be open to changes. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Jabulani says, Pepe to start the North London derby. He should start for me um, because because uh, he's had a bit of a, uh, he's had a bit of a break, hasn't he? Um, and uh, yeah, he didn't play tonight, and and I think it's only fair that given his uh, performances have been pretty good of late, that he deserves to uh, to to play at uh, at the weekend. Uh, big hello to Leith who keeps saying poo in the chat. 
must be uh, about seven years old. <laughs> um, here we go. T Talks says, uh, what's your thoughts on Ryan's, on the possibility, sorry, of Ryan getting a chance to play, even if it's just in the league? Leno is not learning from his mistakes. I still, like, I actually was impressed with Matt Ryan in the game that he played. Was it Aston Villa away that he played in? I think it was Aston Villa away. Uh, where he had a, a really decent game, but he was brought in as a number two for me. And as much as Mikel Arteta will, will give the spin that, you know, the goalkeepers are competing for the number one position, I don't really think they are at Arsenal. Um, I think that Mikel Arteta's philosophy is very much that he has a number one and that rotation should only occur with the goalkeepers if it's 100% necessary. And, um, you know, Burn Leno as a goalkeeper, I think, should be able to play on Thursday and Sunday. Uh, but, you know, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I can see why you're you're kind of debating that and even considering it. Because at the end of the day, Burn Leno, you know, he's not completely culpable for the one against Burnley. I think that's a bit of both. I think Xhaka and Leno are, are both to blame in that instance. But tonight, I thought he was the culprit. And... um yeah, you know, if you want to breed that culture at the football club whereby players make mistakes, you leave them out and you're serious about that, um, then, yeah, you know, you you make a really good point. Uh, it's a consideration, but I still, I, I can't see it happening just because um, I think that Berlin, uh, I think that Mikel Arteta is not about the whole idea of um, of rotating goalkeepers. And I think that Matt Ryan is clearly uh, the number two whether that's the right call or not remains to be seen. I don't think I'd throw Matt Ryan in a North London derby either, uh, to be honest. Uh, Franklin says, Harry, quick one. How many subs are allowed in the Europa League? I'm losing track with a constant update with the football rules these days, honestly. You're allowed to make five changes in a Europa League game at the moment. Um, Trond says, do you think it could be an injury to Partey? I don't think it is, just because I think that Mikel Arteta would have probably said that if it was uh, in his post-match interview. I haven't seen his press conference yet. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll touch on that and what comes out of the back of that on tomorrow's stream. Uh, but for me, I don't think it was. I think he was just unhappy with the, the level of performance. I think his comments suggested that um, and his comments kind of gave that away. So no, um, I don't think it was an injury. Uh, I just don't think Thomas Partey was at the races tonight and Mikel Arteta felt he needed to make a change because the game was potentially uh, slipping away. Uh, Christos says, how many own goals will Sogradi score in London? Hopefully a couple. Uh, but jokes aside, I thought he was really good tonight. Um, I thought he really marshaled that defence. Well, you've got to remember as well, he didn't have a centre-back next to him. He had Jan and Villa, who's a defensive midfield player, uh, sitting alongside him. So he was a little bit out of his depth. But I just every time we got forward... On Socrates' side, he was just a nuisance. You know, he's always there in the right place, the right time, determined. I think he's a fantastic defender. It's just that he's not a great footballer. And that prevents him, you know, being at a higher level, in my opinion, or being sort of uh, admired by these managers who like to play the game in a certain way. But, um, yeah, I thought he put in a really solid performance tonight. There was one instance where he won a header, and the ball went up in the air and he won the second header as well. And then the third time he came out and smashed the ball away. Proper old school defender, model professional, really loved the guy. Um, it's a shame we couldn't keep him. Um, 
in terms of having the character around the club. But I understand why Mikel moved him on and ultimately it was, uh, it was the right call. Uh, what else have we got here? Thomas says, we have no chance of winning the European Cup as long as Arteta chooses a starting level with so many mistakes and little contribution in the future. Thomas, be happy, my friend. Be happy. Um, as Bob Marley would say, was it Bob Marley? Don't worry, be happy. Is that Bob Marley? Uh, if it's not, I'm, I'm a disgrace. Um, you know what? I'm, shall I check that out? Because I'm I'm quite embarrassed that I don't know that. Uh, is it? Yeah, Bob Marley. Don't worry, be happy. Be happy, Thomas. We're through. Well, whoa, we're not through. Um, we're in the driving seat as far as this tie is concerned. And um, we showed great character tonight to bounce back after another setback to make sure that the game didn't get away from us to weather that little storm that Olympiagos brought to the table um, after they found that equaliser. So uh, let's let's be positive about tonight. You know, you, you can't say we have no chance of winning the European Cup. Worse teams than this Arsenal side have won the European Cup, uh, the Europa League, I mean, um, over the years. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's be positive, mate. Be positive. Uh, Brotecker says, what do you think of Martinelli's game time? Obviously, um, that's going to come up again because he didn't get a look in. But I've said it quite a bit in the last few weeks. You know, Nicolas Pepe is playing well at the minute. Willian is playing well at the moment. Had a, another decent game tonight. How can you justify putting Martinelli ahead of him at this minute in time? You know, excuse me, you know, a few weeks ago, a, few, a month or so ago, you probably could have made that argument, but I don't think you can right now. Martinelli, as I've, as I've said time and time again, is his main focus right now. And Arsenal's main focus for him is to get back to full fitness, to make sure there's no recurrence of the injury and um, and to get him ready, in my opinion, for next season, where I actually think he'll probably see a slight adjustment to his position. I think the view is that he will become a centre forward. Um, I'm not worried about it, but I know a lot of Arsenal fans are, and I would suggest at this stage, don't be. Um, Josh Hunter says, uh, would you put Cedric in for the North London derby? Possibly. Um, I think it would depend on how Bellerin recovers. But as I've said to you guys time and time again, in my opinion, in, in, in Mikel's view, Bellerin is the number one right back. And I thought Bellerin, for what it's worth, had a good game tonight. Uh, big hello to Mike. Uh, celebrated his birthday earlier this week as well. Happy birthday, man. He says, uh, should Pepe be playing more minutes than recently as his confidence seems to have grown? Yeah, I, I think that Pepe will probably play at the weekend. Um, and I talked about the rotation, the need for it and the likelihood of it. And I think that Nicolas Pepe is one of those players that you're likely to see rotated into the side for the North London derby. Uh, I think that um, there's a lot of players that you can look at now and say, well, maybe they deserve a little bit more in terms of minutes. But ultimately, that's why we're improving, right? Because, you know, and I know the results haven't always reflected that, but that's why the performances are improving because we've got lots of talent now that we can rotate um, and we can keep people on their toes. You know, Willian, when he comes in now, has to play well because Pepe's waiting in the wings. Martinelli's there as well. Lacazette's also on the bench, and that could mean Aubameyang moving to either flank. So there's a lot of competition in that sort of front four area now. You know, if you think you've got Willian, Pepe, um, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, that's that's eight players for four positions. So... Um, it's encouraging, but I think he, he deserves to get more minutes. 
But I think the way um, the way we're playing at the moment and and the schedule that we're having to contend with, you've got to remember this season is like no other, and that is playing a part in the uh, inconsistency of team selections. And it's not just Mikel Arteta. You know, you look at you know Thomas Tuchel since he's taken over Chelsea. How many bloody changes has he made to the team? Every single week. And, and then you, the same can be said for others. You know, Jurgen Klopp makes changes. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, maybe not so much, but Pep Guardiola makes changes. So, yeah, I just think it's uh, it's the current state of the game. Uh, Pat Moyle says, has Gabriel pushed Marie out for Sunday? Quite possibly. But I think it will be interesting. You know, what you've got to take into consideration with all these guys is how are they going to recover between now and Sunday and how much of an impact will that have um, on... Uh, on um on whether or not he starts on Sunday. His performance was decent tonight. Um but it's about, you know, is he going to recover in time? And I would have no concerns, fears, or worries, I guess, if if you told me now that Pablo Marie was going to play. And again, that is another indication. You know, I talk about the front line and, and how we can rotate in those areas. But we're also building up a decent bank of centre halves now. You know, you look at David Luiz, you look at Gabriel, Pablo Marie, Rob Holding, I think you'd be okay with with any of them playing and that's the good thing and that's what Mikel Arteta is doing here he's building some depth John P says I loved Gabriel's awesome header but at one point I thought the ref was going to the monitor VAR is really taking the soul from the game totally ruined my celebration yeah I know what you mean John um and I thought they were going to look at the VAR as well and there was absolutely nothing wrong with that I think the delay uh was largely down to to uh Jan and Via going down injured and that's what the kind of crowds were but for me I was doing the watch along right and when I'm doing the watch along I'm I'm doing my own commentary to you guys so I can't hear what they're saying on the TV and um often you know commentators in the stadium that you know they they can see wider than the TV screen so they know when someone's going to come on for example because they can glance at the bench and see someone getting changed or they know when the flag's gone up before we do because um, they can glance over and see it. So it's a very different thing. And I, and I was, without the commentary, I was worried uh, that that was going to be the case as well. But fortunately it wasn't. And um, and uh, yeah, the goal stood and, and rightly so. But I get what you mean. Uh, there's a lot of situations now, isn't there, where um, the magic is, you know, a goal goes in and you're a little bit reluctant as a supporter to uh, to celebrate. Uh Benjamin says uh, Saka needs a rest. Harry, would you start Lacquer on Sunday? I'm not sure. Um, I think Aubameyang's playing quite well at the moment in that centre-forward position because he's got the right people around him at the minute and um, I'd probably be tempted to stick with him. Um, yeah, probably be tempted to stick with him. Uh, Zvai says, I hate El Arabi ce- uh, celebrations. It haunts me. It's kind of like this, isn't it? I don't even know what it is. Like, Have I done that right? Um, but I know what you mean. It just brings back memories of last season, doesn't it? Um, oh, I didn't know this. Sam says uh, Kane hobbled off for Spurs tonight and has ice on his leg, but now no doubt he'll be fit for Sunday. Yeah, Harry Kane uh, just uh, seems to um, just seems to uh, just recover immaculately. Uh, for Spurs, he gets injuries. He gets told you get told he's going to be out for three, four weeks, and within two weeks he just returns. It's unbelievable. But um, maybe that's why he gets injured so frequently because he does, to be fair, get injured quite often. Uh, big shout out to the old man, Mister Tony Simiu, the man, the myth, the legend. He says uh, all these mistakes seem to be away from home. Is there a reason? 
Dad, if you wanted to ask me a question, you could have just rang me up, man. Um, <laughs> I don't think there is. Um, I don't think there's any any direct correlation to that because, I mean, why would there be? You know, you're not talking about fans being in the stadium and, and pressure being applied on players off the back of that. I think I think the only impact it, that playing away maybe has is that when you, you're playing against a Burnley, for example, or an Olympiagos, they're probably a little bit more open to the idea of pressing you higher up the pitch when they're at home than they would in an away fixture. So in an away fixture, I think they naturally drop off of you a little bit more. And these mistakes are happening off the back of us being pressed high up in the pitch. And I would probably say that where you maybe have a point is that you wouldn't get closed down as aggressively on your own patch by a opponent who's without being disrespectful of a lower standard. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that has something to do with it, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the only way I can think of it is that maybe they're a little bit more open to the press higher up the pitch because they're at home and away from home. Maybe they'd be a little bit more passive and sit off of you a little bit. Maybe that's the reason, but ultimately the mistakes are coming because we're making bad decisions in key moments. And and I think Mikel Arteta's post-match said it all tonight. I think that he was absolutely livid with Bern Leno uh, for his role in that goal. Um, he spoke about it after the Burnley game as well. And he said, you know, in the right, you'd play it. That's what we want to play, but you do it in the right moments. And he kind of hinted that he, he wasn't happy with Leno's role in the, the goal at Burnley. And I think tonight his post-match uh, kind of confirmed that again. So as I say, and I'm trying to be... Uh, I'm trying to be positive and um, my positive spin on it is that we are the only people that are beating us right now is ourselves. And that can be corrected far more easily than being blown off the park by teams that are miles better than you um, can be corrected. You know, it's about concentration. It's about making the right decisions. It's about not being so robotic. And uh, we have become a little bit robotic in the way we're trying to play out from the back and Berleno's become robotic in the sense of even when the alarm bells should be ringing, he still goes into kind of autopilot and plays that pass, which is causing us a problem. The Burnley one, look, I, I said it already, I, I half blame Xhaka for that. I half blame um, Leno for that one. But this time around, I think, you know, you look, you're the goalkeeper. You can see the pitch in front of you. So Biles can't see what's going on around him, behind him. But, but Bernalino can, and so to play that pass for me is uh, is unforgivable. Marty makes a good point in the comments where he says it's poss- possible it's overcoaching, scrabble brains, overthinking. Yeah, that that could all be it, and that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. It could be um, it could be Arsenal trying so hard to embed something into their style of play that it's become a habit, it's become robotic. When actually you need to play the game and play the circumstances rather than allowing the circumstances to play you. Um, and, and that's what, that's what happened at the end of the day. Um, gonna leave it there, I think, because it is getting late. Um, it is, uh, 10 past 11 here in the UK. Another long day tomorrow. Um, I'll be bringing you a couple of streams tomorrow. Uh, I'll be bringing you some North London Derby preview content. Um, which I'm very much looking forward to doing. Um, I'll be uh, joined by the Oh What A Night uh, guys 
from uh, another podcast within the 90 minute network a spurs podcast so i'll be chatting to those guys um and we'll get that bit of content out to you guys tomorrow around lunchtime uh so i look forward to that um and yeah have a good evening enjoy the rest of your night make sure you uh sleep well i'm sure you will now off the back of a, a really really uh positive result from the arsenal really positive outcome in the first leg of our UEFA Europa League tie. Make sure you smash the like button if you haven't done so already. It really bloody helps. I know I sound like a broken record, but it is imperative to the channel that you do so. Uh, We're on 95 likes, so let's get to 100 likes by the time the outro plays. That's surely achievable. There's more than enough of you watching now uh, to be able to do that. There's 250 of you watching at the minute across the multiple platforms and of course there'll be loads of you to watch this back uh, later and uh, to listen to this back on the audio platform so i'm gonna leave it there uh, it's been a pleasure hope you've all enjoyed today's content um the team prediction and the uh, uh sorry the team lineup and the prediction the live watch along and now the reaction show so i'll be back tomorrow with more arsenal related content um it's friday tomorrow what more do you want a good Europa League win and it's Friday. Until next time, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.